0: Well, we are going to be turning into 1 Corinthians again. Paul has been talking to the Corinthian people there, the Corinthian church, that he has written this letter to, which he has, if you go to Acts, uh, I believe it's Acts chapter 18, you can read the story of how Paul was there and taught for over a year um, and spent time with these folks. I think he loved them, and as any um, pastor should, a, a good pastor should, love his congregation or the people that he has either led to the Lord or taught for a while, um, his heart was for them. And he wants to see them grow as any, any pastor, I think, does. He wants to see that congregation grow, grow in their knowledge, grow in their practice, grow in, in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, grow to be, uh, as we just sang, um, all to you I surrender. I, I live for you daily. I, I want to do that. And before we begin tonight, though, we're going to talk about a couple of things before we look at chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Paul loved these folks. He's never said that they, you know, no one knows everyone's heart, but I think he he loved these folks because he thought they were fellow believers. We'll see that again tonight. He called them that. He wanted them to grow in their faith. He encouraged them to begin with, but they had problems. That being said, don't we all? (laughs) Don't we all? And so they had problems with philosophy, the love of knowledge, uh, buying into the world, uh, system and thinking. And he wanted them to think, as I, I suppose every pastor does, once they're folks that they're teaching to think biblically. To look at God's word and say, this is the truth. I want to apply these things to my life. I want to live in a growing relationship with with my Lord and Savior. I want to move forward, not backwards. And that being said, the battle has been won for us. Sin has been defeated. Death has no longer a fear for us, or at least it shouldn't be. Maybe an apprehension. You know, I've never died, but I know what God promises. And so we trust that hope of him. So the battle's been won. In the meantime, there are many skirmishes that we sometimes lose. And we'll talk about what that means and what, that, what he's talking about here in our passage in chapter 3 tonight. He has talked to them about this, this philosophy, a love of that, this division and unity. One says, I'm following Paul. One says, I'm following Apollos. In fact, he's going to bring that up again tonight. One says, I'm following Peter. One says, oh, I'm just a a Christ person, and I don't care about what any of them say. And so there's this division and unity, and that shouldn't be that way within the church. And then Paul goes on to say, you know what? I want to know one thing, and one thing only in your life, and that's Christ. Is he in your life? Have you trusted him? Christ crucified, buried, and risen again. That's the important stuff that I want to know about. And we'll move on from there. But that's the beginning. That's the foundation. That's where the, the strength lies in our trust in Christ and Christ alone. And so he's talked about that. He's talked about baptism. I don't know who I baptized. I did a few here and there. I don't really remember. But that's not the point. What the point is, Christ alone. I want to know Christ crucified. I preach Christ crucified. I didn't come with flowery words. I didn't come with a, with a Bible and a Reader's Digest in my hand. To tell stories and be flowery and to win you over, I came preaching the simple message of the gospel and then I trusted God for the results. And that should be the same for you and I today. We share the gospel. We share the gospel with folks in our neighborhood. We share the gospel with our friends. We share the gospel, and this is a tough one, with our family. And then we we pray And we pray for God's mercy and we pray for God's grace and we pray for God to work in people's lives as he's worked in our own. I think that's the heart of Paul. And he wants to see these people grow. He wants to see them fruitful. He wants to see them move forward. And he's reminded them in chapter two that the spirit and he's preached by the spirit. He's been led by the spirit and the spirit indwells them enlightens them, teaches them, they can be led by the Spirit. And he says this is the uh, spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. They've received the Spirit, not of the world, not of the natural man. Because, you know, he's talked about that, and I didn't mention that last week. But the natural man, it isn't because he will not or he won't. It's because he's unable to receive the things of God until God does a work in his life. Don't forget that. As you pray, as you witness, to be dependent upon the power of the Spirit and God's Word taking hold of people's lives and changing them. Just don't don't lose sight of that. But in the meantime, um, well, before we get to that, at the end here, I wanted to mention that too. He says, for you... Who knows the spirit but the spirit that lives within the man God's spirit knows the spirit of God because he lives this the spirit is part of the trinity and he knows the deep thoughts of, of God and and he relays them to us and teaches them and he says there at the end of chapter 1 but we have the mind of the lord we have the mind of Christ we know the lord because we have we, we've been instructed by him we have the mind of Christ and i put in there because we have that be diligent be be confident in those things, not in ourselves. In fact, he said, Don't boast in anything but the Lord. That being said, there are two factors. And Paul talked about this in Romans chapter 7. He said, I know the things that I want to do, and I know the things I should do. Those are the things that I don't always do. A skirmish, I lose. A battle, I, 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 I get into the fray and I lose that, that encounter. But the whole battle hasn't been lost. But I lose those encounters. So there's two things that get in our way. One is an outward thing, the world and the world's system. And some of these things they've bought into, the philosophy and the knowledge of the world. And it's so easy to get caught up. Just watch the news on a regular basis. And you'll get the world's view. And you'll get the world's influence. And you'll get the world's ideas of how to fix things, of how to fix you, of how to fix your neighborhood, of how to to fix everything. You'll get that view. That's the world's philosophy. It's the world's definition of what's right and what's wrong. It's human wisdom, and it's just, let's just say it, in the sight of God, it's just plain foolishness. The other factor is within. It's the flesh, the world and the flesh. And the flesh, just because we're saved, and we want to talk about this before we get into this, just because you and I are saved, it's kind of like this. I read this week, the guy, the guy g- described it this way in one of the commentaries I read. He says, it's like a cyclist who's in a race and he works and works and works to climb this hill. And he finally gets to the peak of the hill and he thinks, I've made it. Only to discover the hills wind on and on up beyond that top of that hill. Or that the salmon and their, their fight to get upstream, it's a struggle every day. The world's always at you. And my flesh, even though I've got a new nature in the mind of Christ, my flesh and the old nature has not been eradicated. It's a struggle. But in all that said, we as Christians, we as believers have a responsibility. And that's our title of our message tonight, A Christian's Responsibility. I think if Paul could, in two words, um, or maybe four words, say to the Corinthians and to us, if we're... uh, living in the world's philosophy, and if we're living in uh, pleasing our own flesh, he would say, grow up and stop it. Just he wants them to move forward in their spiritual walk with God. And so we'll look at this tonight. Um, we'll look at this, this Christian's responsibility. Um, the world and the flesh battle, um, but this new spirit and this new heart we have, it shouldn't be that way. And so we want to look at these things from verses uh, 1 through 9 in chapter 3. Uh, my title and mine, kind of the whole chapter, is The Foundations for Living. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. The, first, the three points we want to talk about tonight is uh, the cause of their struggle, um, the symptoms of their struggle, and then the cure for their, for their struggles and the symptoms of those things. And so we'll, uh, we'll look at these tonight. Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you for um, just this time together in your word, Lord, you mean so much to us. Um, we just, we want to grow. We want to help folks to grow. We want to grow ourselves. We want to, we want to know more of you. And so there are struggles, but Lord, even in the, the midst of struggles, we're reminded of Jesus, you, our Lord and savior saying, uh, in this world, we'll have struggles, but ha- take heart and have hope for I have overcome the world. And I have really, he could say, I have, I have died for you and I have changed your heart. I have given you a new nature. I have given you my very mind and the spirit that I know so intimately I give to you and lives within you and will guide you and help you and strengthen you. So, Lord, we depend upon you uh, tonight. Um, We glorify you in all that we uh, do and say and the way we live. Lord, help us to to grow closer, help us to pursue you harder, Uh, help us to uh, learn more and grow in our faith and understanding of, of all things around us. So help us to do that, and we'll give you the praise for that as we look at this passage tonight. Teach us again. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, the cause. Paul says here in verse 1, he says, and brethren. And so, and I, brethren. He says, and I, brethren. You notice he calls them brethren, uh, fellow believers. He still considers them fellow believers. And here's the here's the, the cause. Uh, they're, They need to grow up. They need to, this unity needs to be growing. This uh, looking at the world and buying into their philosophy and uh, their own flesh needs to stop. He says, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men. Now, the word spiritual in in the Bible is used in many ways. In a generic form, it just means the two realms, the spiritual realm and the physical realm. When it's talking about men, it's talking about their relationship to God. And he says, I could not talk to you as men who had a good relationship or relationship with God. He's called them brethren, but they're not acting like that. So there's their position. They are spiritual. In fact, all Christians who have truly trusted Christ as their Savior are spiritual beings, or they have the spirit that lives within them. So we have that, we have that position. We've talked about this many times. What's our position? Our position is, uh, Pastor Bill just read that in Romans chapter 5. Those are are justified, declared right before God. We are justified, not because we're just. We receive the righteousness of God, not because we're righteous and we don't always practice that. But God declares us to be so. So we are justified. That's our position. If you have truly trusted Christ as your Savior, I want you to encourage you tonight that that position cannot change if you've truly trusted Christ as your Savior. You are once saved, always saved, if you've truly trusted him. We may not always practice that and live that correctly, but that doesn't change our justification that God has declared us to be. That is is rock solid because it isn't based on us. It's based on God's promise and God's proclamation and God's work on the cross for us. And we have trusted that. We are justified. So that's our position. Practically... Like Paul talks about in Romans chapter seven, sometimes I don't always do what I know I should do. And sometimes I still succumb to the world and my own flesh. And so he says in verse one, he says, and I, and I brethren could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as to men of the of flesh as to infants in Christ. And so what he's really talking about here is he says, he, he know, he's calling them brethren spiritual in their position, but in their practice, they're living to satisfy the flesh or living like men who aren't saved, even though they are. And he had to speak to them as infants in Christ, not growing up. You know, when I first took my first pastorate, I went into that so excited. I just, I was, you know, we are going to teach these folks and we are all going to grow together and I can't wait to get started. And I started that first week and we were in Galatians and I was just on fire just to teach the word of God. And one of the deacons came to me and he says, Pastor Boyle, I know you haven't been here long, but the folks that you got here, you're over their head already. You're just, they're not, they're not getting that. You know what they needed? Milk. They weren't mature. That's the men that he's talking to here. He says, he says you you're, you have this spiritual position. I couldn't speak to you that way, but you have this spiritual position. But I couldn't speak to you as spiritual men, but only as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. And this word infants, you know, many times in the Greek, techeon is the word that they use for small children. This is a different word. This is for babes, nursing babes. And so I couldn't speak to you as, as spiritual men, but as as small children who just needed Constant care and the basic things of life. Now, all all scripture is word. We're told in Peter we should we should long for the pure milk of the word. So it's all good, and it's all understanding of of God and who He is. But there's a beginning. There's a beginning of understanding who Christ is. You know, it's kind of like the children's song: "Jesus loves me, this I know." Well, I know that. That's a that's good theology. Jesus loves me. He first loved me and. Before I even loved him, Jesus, God is love. Jesus loved me. But then as we grow in our faith, we understand that he not only loved me, but he loved me enough to come and offer himself on the cross for me. And his love was proved in his death and burial and resurrection. He loved me so much that he left heaven and left the glories that were there and came and walked amongst us. And yet without sin, and he took my place. Yes, Jesus loves me. This I know. Not just the basics. We need to start there of Jesus' and God's love, but then we need to talk about that gospel. He had to talk to these men as infants. The cause was that they were still fleshly. They were still buying into the philosophy. And we'll see what that fleshly thing led to. But the, the fellowship of the word and the fellowship of reading God's word and being in it and understanding it, that's where we grow. Satisfying the longing of the spirit that lives within us to follow God and know and understand him more. But he couldn't talk to them in that way. Um, they were spiritual in one sense, and yet they were fleshly in another they were satisfying the flesh of that old nature instead of following the spirit. Um, so he says, I couldn't talk to you as spiritual men, but as men of the flesh, as to infants in Christ. He said, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food. I gave you milk to drink, but not solid food. And, you know, this, is, this, this word is, we've already talked about the pure milk of the word. It is, it is, it is basic. It is simple in the gospel presentation, and a child can understand it and be saved. I've seen it happen. A child can, can understand this gospel, and that's where I used to work for CEF. That's where that all came from. What uh, The guy that founded CEF, they said, these kids can't understand the, the things of, the, of the, the word of God and, and be saved. They need to get to a certain age. You know what that you know what that says? That says that God is not powerful enough to save anybody. But I want to tell you that God is mighty and powerful, and there's nothing impossible with Him. And I've seen little ones saved and begin to grow, and that's where that all started in CEF. That he he presented the gospel to children, and he saw not only lives change, but he saw growth begin. But it started with the milk of the word, the gospel. And then there's, there's solid food. There's, there's the deep things of God. There's doctrine. And I wanted to say this too. We don't learn new doctrines. There's no new doctrines. This is the, the canon is complete. This is God's word. But we certainly can understand and apply the doctrines of God. We need to understand doctrine because what you believe and what you understand is how you live. And so if you believe the wrong thing, you're going to live Incorrectly, If you're adhering to that, we need to understand the truth of God's word and to adhere to the doctrines of God. That's solid food. The doctrine of the atonement propitiation, the doctrine of justification, of imputed righteousness, of the uh, incarnation, all of those things. Those are solid things. But you know where it starts? It starts with the pure gospel message milk. And we believe and trust in that. And God, God does a miraculous work in his power and changes a life by simply hearing that gospel message. He says, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you are not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not able, for you are still fleshly. You are still fleshly. You're still living after the things of the flesh. Listen. The flesh is always there, always wanting to tempt you. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Always that trifecta of wanting to, to just get in there and it knows right where to put the, the needle in and inject the things that you don't want. But yet we are tempted. We are, we are seeing things in our world and we have desires from our own flesh that still crop up. And I know that, I know that you know that we, we all have those thoughts at times. Have you ever sat somewhere and you're maybe maybe even praying and something comes to your mind and you think, where did that come from? And why would I think that? I've done that. And I say, Lord, take that thought from my mind. I refuse to think and ponder about that. Yeah, they can pop into your mind. You know where the sin really begins? When you meditate upon that and ponder upon that. Great example, David and Bathsheba. He looked, but he didn't look away. And the flesh got him and the desire came and he pondered upon those things. So he says, you weren't able to receive it. Even now, you're not able to receive it because you are still fleshly. So we should grow up in our faith. We should spend time in God's word. We should spend time in prayer. And when those thoughts come, ask the spirit to remind us that those things aren't part, shouldn't be a part of our lives. They should be excluded from our lives we should run from those things we should turn from those things we should turn toward god our savior and look to his word and to the spirit that leads us and you know i want to say this too it's such an encouragement that you folks are here tonight and it was an encouragement to me today and seeing the kids in the sunday school classes and the kids in my sundays i mean the, the kids Yeah, they're all younger than most of them. (laughs) The older ones and the younger ones in my Sunday school class, it's an encouragement to be together and be like-minded in unity. That's one of the things that Paul's talking about. You know what there is? Strength in unity. There's encouragement in unity. When we come together to study God's word together, to come along beside, like the Holy Spirit has come along beside us to move us along closer to God, not away from God. And we come together as believers in the body of Christ to encourage and be encouraged by one another. So look for a way you can encourage. Not to grumble. That's easy. There's always something to grumble about the weather, my knee how I burnt supper, whatever. There's always things to grumble about. But there's, don't grumble. There's, there's blessings every day from God. And so we're not going to go there. That's that's the cause, the, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And they've succumbed not only to the world's philosophy, but they've come, succumbed to their own fleshly desires. And he says, don't do that. And here's, here's, here's the result of it, the, the symptoms of it. And he says, for since there is jealousy, and that word jealousy... It just simply means that wanting what somebody else has, a desire from the from the deepest core of our flesh to, to have what somebody else has. Not necessarily because we want it all the time, but we just don't want them to have it because I don't have it. That's how ugly jealousy is. And it says, "For since there is jealousy and strife and strife is just arguing, arguing that leads to fighting You know, that's part of the world. I read this week in an article that do you know that in America this year that the road rage shootings are up over 50 percent in America this year alone? That's strife. That's just arguing over petty things. And he says there's jealousy and strife. Um, I think James talks about, he says, "Why? why is what's the, what's the result of your sickness and, and, and all the things that are happening? It's because your jealousy and your strife is, is amongst you. You're living in a fleshly way, and the Lord's not going to work in the midst of those things. So he says, here's, here's the, the symptom of it. There's jealousy and there's strife among you. Are you not fleshly and are you not walking like mere men? For one says, I'm of Paul. Here it goes. He's talked about this earlier in the book in chapter one. For one says, I am of Paul. And another says, I'm of Apollos. Are you not mere men? And let's just admit that. You know, I was reading this morning. um, or This week I was reading in Acts. And Peter was going to Cornelius' house to preach the gospel. He'd been called there. He didn't want to go. He was called there. He was he submitted to God's spirit that led him there and he went there. And when he walked in the door, Cornelius fell at his feet and began to worship him. And you know what Peter said? Don't do that. I'm a mere man like you. We're mere men and God is God. And he says, are you not walking like just mere men instead of children of the living God? Are you not walking as as just mere fleshly men amongst the world and living the way they live. And you shouldn't live that way because you are a child of God. You are my brothers in Christ. You have received the Spirit. You should live differently than the world lives. We are, we are called aliens in this world in the Bible. We are sojourners. We are on a trip, on a journey. We are headed home. But this is not our home. But the truth is, we still live here. And the truth is, you and I still struggle here sometimes. And the truth is, God will help us and his spirit will lead us and guide us if we go to his word and go to him and ask for strength and guidance and help in the midst of our struggles. It's okay to struggle, by the way. I'm not saying you don't ever struggle. It's okay to struggle. We all do. Who doesn't struggle with either our prayer life or with our Bible reading or our understanding or even the own desires of our heart. We all struggle with those things. Those are just symptoms of the fleshly and the world's view. Uh, Pride and disunity, jealousy, strife, seeking self. It highlights men and the world will gladly do that. It highlights men and their wisdom instead of uplifting God is what we should be doing. Glorifying God and uplifting him. Um Paul said our responsibility is follow the Spirit and to be led by the Spirit. We have the mind of Christ. We we have these spiritual insights. We've received the knowledge of the mystery of God of the gospel and, and who he is. And so we should be living in unity in one another, not in strife, not in jealousy, uh, not in backbiting or anger or or fear even, or whatever it might crop up in those things. We're just living as mere men, and we are children of God. And he says, then, what is Apollos, and, and what is Paul? And this is, this is the, the cure. This is the cure. He says, um, what, what then is Apollos, and what is Paul? Well, they're great teachers. I mean, they're the, they're the Billy Grams of the day, right? They're great teachers, and they have these great campaigns, and they travel as missionaries, and they've got, their, uh, Apollos was a great orator, and, and he argued the Scriptures skillfully to prove that Jesus was the Christ. And Paul was, oh my goodness, Paul was a very learned man, and he was called specifically by God and, in, in, and put into a ministry by God and by God's power. He was, he was a powerful man. He healed people by God's power. They were great men. But he says, he says, let's think about this. What then is Apollos and what is Paul? We could go back to the next, the verse before. Mere men. But they're tools of God. They're tools of God. What is, what then is Apollos and what is Paul? Servants. You know, that word servants isn't the word that's commonly used. Paul would say, I'm a bond servant. i a slave of Christ. This just means, you know what this means? It's a server, a table waiter, a gopher someone that just serves that way, a waiter, uh, one who serves, servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. And this verse, this week in verse 5, this cure is thinking correctly. Who is Apollos and who is Paul? They are servants of the Lord God most high. Tools that he's used for what? Servants through whom you believed. Aren't you glad that God could save people anyway? He could save people any way he wants. But you know what he choose, chose to do? To use broken, sinful people like you and me as his servants, as his tools to bring others to Christ. Isn't that an amazing thought? I'm a mere man. You are too but we're tools. And so it makes no sense. He's basically saying if we were to open God's toolbox and pull out a hammer, you know what they were saying? We're people of the hammer. Oh, we're people of the screwdriver. Oh, we're people of the level. No, we are, we are God's chosen servants for God to use as tools in any way he wants He used Apollos and he used Paul in great ways. He can use you and I today as a tool for his glory. That's just the way God works. And don't don't get all puffed up about, I've done this and that. And don't get all glorifying yourself. That's just living in a fleshly way. He says... Who's Paulus? Who, who, is Paul, uh, who is Paul and who is Apollos? What then is Apollos and what is Paul? Servants to whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. Each was called by God to a certain role or position. In different ways. But I want to tell you this: equally important. Equally important. I don't think there's Yeah, different positions. They were apostles. They were used at a certain time in history in a certain way by God. You and I aren't apostles, but we are people used in a certain place, in a certain time, in a certain way by the same God. And God can use us in many ways, but we have the responsibility to what? To submit to the word of God. That just just doesn't happen magically. Magically. You know, this week I, I went this past week I went to the um, doctor, and uh, he said he said to me, you know, you're my upcoming surgery. He says that's that's going to be successful, that'll be fine. But he said, and I told him I was a pastor, so they they used some Christian references after that. Um, and he says, you know what, Jesus could replace that knee, and if you don't do the work afterwards, it'll never get better. Do your homework. I know Pastor Bill doesn't and any good pastor doesn't and I don't either that you don't just come in here on Sunday morning or Sunday night and stand up here and say something. It starts Monday morning. And that's always my prayer. Lord, use me today as as your tool in preparation so that I can be used on Sunday as your tool in presentation. Do your homework. Read your Bible. Ask God to show you Biblical thinking, a biblical way of living that's honoring and pleasing to the God who saved you and brought you to Himself, and has a great desire for fellowship with you, a close fellowship with you, and a and a purpose for you, to use you in some way, small or great, but in the in the in the annals of eternity beyond when we're in heaven, those will be great things I don't think we'll ever quit celebrating. What God did through us. Isn't he a great God? What God was able to do with just a little old me and you. Wow. It'll be an awesome thing. The cure is to focus upon him. To focus upon him, not mere men, not going after mere men like Apollos, like Paul, like some evangelist preacher or whatever it might be. Or some large group or what or some priest, whatever it might be. We don't go chasing after them. We go chasing after God. And he talks about, he uses an agricultural uh, illustration and a building illustration. He says, I planted. Paul says, I planted. Maybe presented the gospel. I think that's what he's talking about. I planted. Apollos watered. Came along beside. Encouraged. Reinforced. Brought it up again. He watered that seed that was planted. He gave that some fresh refreshment that it needed to grow and to take root. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth the whole time. It was all God's plan. I have little seeds in my my garage that I put down on the ground every year. Inside that little dried up bean is deliciousness waiting to come out. And how God does that? I can plant one seed here and I get beans. I can plant another seed there and I get corn and I can plant. But there's a DNA inside of each of those dried up and it looks dead. But when it's planted and dies underneath the ground, God causes that to grow. All I got to do is plant it and water it. And God causes the growth. That's what he's talking about here. And that's the gospel. I presented the gospel. I planted that seed. Apollos watered it. But it was God all along that brought us here to plant and to water. And God caused the growth. Let's be servants given two tasks or three tasks. But the goal, the goal is always to glorify God and to look to him for the results, for the, for the fruit, for the, for the growth, for the encouragement, for the unity. It says, don't look to mere men for that. Look to God for that. I planted, Apollos watered, but it was God that did the rest. So then, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Again, the cause is God. So we look to God and we glorify God and we depend upon him. And he says, all of these things, basically, they come from God. Let's not be glorifying men. Let's not be looking to man's wisdom, to the world, to our flesh, to those type of things that we can get accomplished. Certainly, we have a responsibility to do things. We have a responsibility to do things, to work, but we're not dependent upon our work. We're dependent upon the spirit that works within us and God to cause those things to happen by his plan and by his design. It's just, it's it's not I, but it's God. It's not me, but it's him. It's not you, but it's him. So now, um, now he who plants and he who waters are but one. But each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. So um, the one who plants and the one who waters are one. So we work together in unity. Apollos and Paul weren't opposed to one another. They worked together and watched God cause the growth. They weren't fighting with one another. They were on the same team. Now, the one who plants and the one who waters are one, but each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. So, it isn't, he isn't talking about the planting so much or the watering here, but he's talking about the labor. And so, we have a responsibility. What's our responsibility? Here's part of the cure we depend upon God and we walk faithfully before Him in the little things and in the big things. We, you know what we, you know, I like to put it. We just we daily take care of business. We daily take care of business. I have I have some chickens you all know I have chickens at home, right? I have chickens at home. You know what? They'd starve to death if I didn't daily take care of business. Just go out there and water and feed them and take care of things. Same thing with our spiritual life. You know what? You can wither away spiritually if you're not daily being faithful to the Lord in prayer, in Bible study and reading. In gathering together with the saints and being encouraged, being under the word and being uplifted by that and then applying those things to your life. Be diligent. We're each responsible for our own labor. I'm not responsible for you. You're not responsible for me. I can certainly encourage you. and You can encourage me. But we are responsible for our own walk. Each is responsible. And God causes the increase the way he wants. I was reading this week. This is a good example of this. I was reading this week, Jeremiah, he was called by God, he was faithful, he was beaten, he was, he was bad-mouthed, he was all kinds of things, but he was faithful. And he had, what kind of results? Not so great. Not so great. And then there's Jonah. And Jonah was a reluctant servant. And he preached a short message. And God saved the whole city. It's not who waters or who plants. But it's God who works through us to bring about the results. God can use anybody in any way. And so we're responsible. We are responsible for our labor, for uh, working and being responsible with the right motive. I might add that, with the right motive, with the right heart attitude of that. I do these things and I'm responsible daily because I love him. Because I just... I hope that you feel that way. You just can't believe he saved you. And you just never get over it. Don't get over it. Be zealous. Be faithful in the labor. Give God the praise and the honor and the glory. And point people to him. And then depend upon him. And he says here at the end of this, uh, for we are God's fellow workers. Um, and you are God's field. You are God's field. I think Jesus said to the disciples when they came back um, from getting some food for everybody while he was talking to the woman at the well. And he said, here they said, Jesus, eat. And he said, I have other food to eat. And I think that's where he said, the fields are white with harvest. We are that harvest. We are that harvest that God wants to harvest. And he uses us to bring in that harvest. He said, we are God's field. We are have been planted We have been watered. God has caused the growth. We are God's field. We are God's building. You notice it says we are God's building. You and I are not the foundation. God is the foundation. And you and I are being built upon that foundation one spiritual brick at a time. And we get to be a part of that building process. That building process. So the cure, just quickly, as we close, my time's about up. Um, there's a couple of places you could. We're not going to turn to all these places, but you could look in Hebrews chapter five, where he talks about they, they were they were they needed more than just pure milk; they needed they needed solid food. But one thing that he talks about there in verse uh, 14, I believe, of uh, Hebrews chapter five, is he said they need to practice these things. And then in 2 Peter uh, chapter one. Verse 10, I think Peter talks about all of these things to live diligently, to live sober-mindedly. But at the end of that section, he says, and practice these things and you will not stumble. Practice these things. What things? The things of God's word. Living in a holy life. Living a life that is pleasing unto God. Living a life that trusts God. And planting. And not caring if someone else waters, but we look to God for the growth. Doing these things. Practice these things. Be people that are faithful in our labors and God will cause the growth. Um, main thing, main three things, three things. Well, four things. Labor faithfully. Labor faithfully. Um, and they, these these three, three things, the cure. Um, God's word needs to be read. Publicly and privately. And we, we take care of the, publicly here a lot it's yours and my responsibility to read it privately and to ponder upon it that's our second one to meditate upon it to meditate upon the word of god not just not just read it you know sometimes i'm in the morning i get it in, i get it in the easy chair maggie jumps up in my lap and i open my bible and i do my morning reading and sometimes i'm petting maggie and i've read a half a chapter and i think what did i just read and I go back and start over. What did I, you know what? I lost meditation and concentration there just for a second. I read some things I didn't really comprehend or meditate on long enough. So let's go back and read it again. Let's meditate, read God's Word. God's Word meditated upon and pondered upon and, and loved. And lastly, just God's person or the God that has saved us worshiped both corporately and privately. And I hope I hope you sing praises here and you know what today today it was a great morning in church, wasn't it? The, the, the songs were just with, with feeling and meaning this morning. And you know that that can happen the same way on your walk down the lane, on your ride, To the mall. No, who goes to the mall? We don't go to the mall. Dollar General. On your ride to Dollar General. We all go to Dollar General. Let's just admit it. We all go to DG. It can happen there too. Sing his praises. Worship the Lord God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And offer him a sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Acceptable to him because we're living for him. Worshiping him. Looking to him. It's God that's doing all this. In us and through us. And aren't you glad he loves you. And called you to himself. Live like people. That belong to the king. And praise him every day. Father in heaven. We thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for the the warnings and the reminders. Thank you for the encouragement. Thank you for the reminder of who you are tonight. And all that you've accomplished in and through us. And all you're wanting to accomplish through us. Lord, help us to be dependent people. We say we love you, but do we live that? We say we know the truth, but do we apply it? And there are struggles. There, there are always struggles. But you're in the middle of those struggles. We need to acknowledge that and look to you in the midst of those struggles. And just, Lord, we'll give you the glory from here to eternity for all that you are doing, all you will do, and all you're able to do. For there's nothing impossible with you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen.